Our reality is but a dimension, the uppermost layer in a tower of mirrors. Beneath it are the many reflections cast by our reality, similar but not entirely the same. A staggering number of worlds lands beneath a dark sun, a world of three moons forsaken by the gods, realms long forgotten, and countless thousands more. You are about to enter one such reflection, a world still recovering from a magical apocalypse, a place where magic is regulated, goblins trade their wares throughout the lands, and the north is dominated by giants. Today, the sun rises over Hymirin and the Wilderin. This is An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. And now, Chapter 10 of An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. The red dragon looks down on you and says, Knowledge, knowledge is the most valuable. I'll step forward and I say, I beg to differ. Oh, do you? Without life, you cannot have any knowledge. No, but knowledge is passed on to other generations. Long after your life is gone, the knowledge will live on if it is passed along. She's got you there. And then she licks her lips. I step back behind hearing. (laughs) She smiles, maybe. There's a baring of her teeth. It is unnerving. Reptiles have no lips. A little more comes out. (laughs) Cats taste better. There are no cats here. Only frogs. But I do love a question. But what does Magia get from sharing her knowledge? What is granted to me? What would Magia ask? Do you have a song? Do you have knowledge valuable to Magia that she already doesn't have? What knowledge would we have that you already don't possess if you're as ancient as you are? Magia does not leave the swamp anymore. What do you know of the eastern lands? The eastern lands... Very little do I know of the Eastern Lands. The home of of great gold dragons? There are none left. There is rumor of one. Ah, one? Tell me of this one. Baithatal? You've never heard of Baithatal. I've heard the name. Baithatal is still rumored to live deep in the deserts. Ah, Magia does not believe that. Magia is the last of her kind, the last of the great breed of dragons. There are none left. There is... How is it he lives? How does he live? Probably doing something very similar to what you do. Finding a home, staying there, having worshippers. None worship Magia. Magia does not leave her swamp because Magia cannot. There are those that have sworn fealty and protect the golden dragon. Those of my lineage. You are protectors of a dragon. Yes. Not myself in particular, but those of my ilk. You are far too small to protect a dragon. But where there is in size, there is greatness in numbers. Yes, that is true. People don't think a bee is very large and dangerous, but several can turn away even some of the largest creatures. I can tell you personally, it's not the size, it's what you do with it. She just stares at you a moment and blinks a bit. Perhaps, little one, perhaps. I would like to keep this bauble. She holds up the acorn. I've seen nothing like this. But what does the bauble say on it? Ah, the bobble. I will answer your questions, all of your questions, if your friends from the east will stay with me for a bit, and they will tell me tales from their lands, what it looks like now, who dwells there, if they will speak their language to me. Oh, great one, that would be an honor. 
But I don't think we have the time to do we that. We have plenty of time. Plenty of time. <laughs> Are you in a hurry? No, we have time. I can think of no grander thing. Then, in good faith, I shall answer all your questions. And of course, if you do not stay, I will have to devour you all. Starting with you, little frog. You don't have to worry about me. And I peed a little bit. When you say for a short while, in the terms of our short and insignificant lives, how long would that short while be? Until I am satisfied with your stories. But your friend, he has expressed a sense of urgency to me. There is a bit of urgency on our particular timelines, which once again are considerably more insignificant to the the grand and illustrious lifetime of yourself. My urgency has saturated my trousers. (laughs) You have here an artifact of sorts, a vessel shaped like a seed. Upon it is fey writing, lost to antiquity. But fortunately for you, I am fluent in fey. I have devoured many in my life as a young dragon. I've torn asunder many of their great cities. I have warred with the giants. I have slain my opponents. I have defeated dragons far greater than I, and I remain in the swamps, cursed for all of eternity, never to leave, to wreak havoc upon the world again. So a visitation and conversation is a treat for me. Upon the cap reads the simple words, Oma, a name lost to antiquity itself, uttered not in its full definition in many years. And what does it mean? You tell me. Besides grandma. Ah, a poor reference to the power that this name truly holds. It means grandmother. It does not mean the mother of your parents. And she chuckles a little bit. The mother of all monsters. An amateur compared to one of my stature, but no. (laughs) A grandmother. She is a being that has given birth to the world of Hymurin. Something far greater than than you realize. And why do you seek the grandmother? The child says this name, and only this name, in our minds. Child speaks to your mind. But that is all it says. Mm. And you have traveled here to see me? We have traveled here for your knowledge, so that we may know what the child seeks in the east. In the east, to the east of the swamp, there is an old fey city. Cast to ruin many eons ago. It is a city of blue and white stone. It is ancient and old. But perhaps within its ruins, within the ruins of the city, the temple of Shindalar, you may find your answers. What was the name of the temple? Shindalar. Is that the deity that was just being worshipped that we... No. That was Shogaloth. Shogaloth. That was Shogaloth. And then the, the only one of four of was... Forget. Who's <coughs> else one us? Is uh, Shindalar familiar? To the ones of us who are from this area. And especially you, that one of us that's a fairy. Or, you know, the you, fairy. Yeah, you have never heard that name uttered before. Not even in songs, tales, any books or scrolls, nothing. The path is treacherous. You must pass through the cloud sea, part the veil, and go to that forgotten land. Cross the cloud sea, part the veil, and go to that land. Yes. We've encountered one's that we call the faceless ones, and they appear to part the veil themselves. And I'm wondering if that's where they might be coming from. There are many veils to be parted, but this is not one like you speak of. This is a realm of the dead, cast aside from this world during the great sundering of Hymurin. 
foolish fay toying with the magics they did not understand cast many of their cities afar still attached by a thread to Hymurin, but yet apart from it the faceless ones were after this acorn or what it contained and what did it contain the child ah the child was in the vessel yep growing like a weed now and how was the child released how was it released, Mokwe? How was it released, Mokwe? It emerged from the vessel. As simple as that. Well, not entirely as simple as that, Mokwe. A curious child toying with that which he does not understand. Great mother, you know your children well. Well, this is how the sundering happened. Remember that. I will. Have I answered all your questions? Dash will take three breaths, not looking at her face reach into his new pouch and pick out the goblet with the egg and come up. This we found at a dark ritual being done in the name of Shagalof. Ah, a name I am familiar with. Ah. She plucks it from you gingerly with one clawed hand. I shall keep this so it is safe. I assumed. The ones performing whatever rite or ritual for these pendants and I take out the pendant I lift it up for her to take. She examines the pendant. A wicked creature, Shogoloth is. And those cultists are now one with the swamp. You have done a service to the Wilderin. I thank you. And you will find you have done a service to yourselves as well. Have I answered your questions? I have no others. I might ask one more question. Ah, yes. Uh, Madri is knowledgeable in map making. Might you help him with creating a map to lead us in the direction we must go? Yes. Thank you. She takes one claw and she draws it out in the cracked earth. The swamp makes a dock. Says this is the route that you must travel to go to the Cloud Sea. There you will wait on the dock for the ghost ship to come and deliver you beyond the veil. Ghost ship? You gonna gonna draw this? Madri, he uh, starts sketching fiendishly to to draw out this map as accurately as possible. You gonna double check, Mokui? Is there a toll for this ghost ship? I do not know. Now I will hear stories of your eastern lands. And I will begin a story about the great golden dragon that is being protected by the army of the Golden Protectorate. You sit with her for several hours. And unveil all the, uh, the history I can bring forth in something of a chronological order as best as I can recall. Stories, fables, songs as best as I can recollect and continue as l- until she tells me to stop. And once Longway ends his tales, Madri picks up and begins from the beginning of his time in remembrance of the worship of the ancestral and ancient dragons and tells all of his songs and stories and fables and recounts all of the scrolls that he has studied throughout time for this venerable dragon. Whenever they're doing a uh, narrative switch, I will give whoever just stopped talking a uh, fresh skin of water to uh, replenish themselves after talking for several hours straight. At the end of your tales, she thanks you, bids you farewell, which you take as an indication to get on your raft and leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With, uh, several bows and thank yous later. Hi, Maggie. Uh, make our way to the raft and longingly look back at the cottage and the dragon and or old woman who's standing there. I don't know if she's going to revert back to her original humanoid form, but thinking to myself, I would spend an eternity there if... I could. As you're filing down that sloped trail, she stops you, earring. Before you go, do not get too attached. And then she makes a motion with her hand as if to continue. 
And I turn and go. The spiked club, I still have it. This is just a spiked great club? Yes. Okay, I'm going to hang on to it. You take your raft for the remainder of the night, well into late morning, and finally find yourself out of the swamp. Gradually, the ground grows drier, and you find yourself slogging through mud and tall grasses until you find yourself on firm, dry ground. The forest begins to open up around you, and off in the distance, you see a tree line. I guess we move forward on foot. Bid our raft goodbye. Bye, little raft. You had served us well. Grab our stuff and start heading out. You march along for a while, several miles, and you begin to approach the the tree line where you see that the forest begins to grow more dense. It is a region that you're unfamiliar with, even you, Earring. You've traveled well beyond your normal circles of travel, but the forest itself is welcoming to all of you, having spent as long as you had in the swamps. The child is walking forward alongside Earring with its head turned back towards the swamp, stumbles a little bit, regaining its footing, and then turns and aims itself in the direction of the forest. Madri, are we going in the right direction? Madri turns and looks at Mokui. Are we going in the right direction? <laughs> Read the map. <laughs> 19. Yes, you are going in the right direction. Madri's real good at making maps. He's not so great at telling which direction we're going. <laughs> Make them and reading them are two different things, damn it. <laughs> Before we travel too far, I would suggest everyone strip down and check for parasites and leeches. I have a hard shell with very few soft spots. I'm not overly concerned about it, but some of you others may have something like this, and I'd rather you not become ill. Madre, if you turn around, I'll check some of the fleshy spots in the back, and I'm, I'm going to check Madre over and allow him to check me over. And Eric will just strip. We'll clear the same. Don't, don't even I look don't at think me. It, you know I'm taking them all off. I don't think anyone here is going to be shy. <laughs> you, you disrobe. The cool breeze feels good. Even though you have been made every effort to stay dry, it was unsuccessful. There was just varying degrees of wet. Your boots are soaked. The skin between your toes is sloughing off on earring and dash. The rest of you are fine. <laughs> Who's checking who? Well, I can check myself if somebody can check my back. We could just do a triangle. Everybody turn left, turn to the right. Check Eric's back. Earring, Earring has some passengers. Don't move. We're going to remove all those passengers. Can you put your gloves on first? <laughs> yeah, and they are on. <laughs> Good thing Dash bought them for you. Yes. Mokui begins plucking leeches from your back. Uh, you can feel the the skin pull as he's beginning to yank them free from your back. It is... Okay, would a dagger help assist? The tip is really quite sharp. No, I think this way is better because I want to try to keep these to help with your wounds if we need to. Sure. Might have to get some swamp water. Let's put them in my water skin. <laughs> <laughs> or as he calls it, his cousin carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Before long, Mokui has harvested all the leeches from your back, your backside, the back of your legs. You watch in disgust as he casually plops the handful of leeches into his water skin and corks it. Now onto Dash. Sit here, tapping my foot, waiting. Dash very boldly stands, nude, in the breeze, hands on his hips triumphantly, as if he had just slain the dragon you were talking to moments oh, yeah. before. A leg spread wide in that Peter Pan pose, looking up at the sky so you can see under my chin. He's got nothing on him. You just think 
you want it to stand naked. <laughs> but you give him a thorough check anyway, or somewhat agitated because... It's a waste of time. It, and he probably knows. At least it's a quick scan. There isn't much uh, body air mass to go over. And how does Mokui look? Mokui, are you undressed? Yes, I am. Mokui is covered in him. He hit the mud pretty hard, spent a lot of time in the water. Well, would they stay attached, dealing with the poison? They would not. <laughs> I keep forgetting you have poisonous skin. So Mokui takes it off and a bunch of dead leeches fall out? <laughs> yeah. Shakes his clothes out, piles of dead, rock-hard leeches fall to the ground. I will put all my clothes and armor back on. It gave it a nice chance for, hopefully, for the air to you know clean it out, scrape out any mud, let it dry out, give it a good shake, and put everything back on. You continue towards the tree line. Beneath your feet, you begin to feel a slight rumbling, a tremor. It's barely noticeable. It's ever so slight. As you approach the forest, the tremor begins to grow in, in strength so that it seems like it's vibrating up through your feet and into your body. Let's get into the tree line as quickly as possible. I'm right behind you. Agreed. Full run. Dash, let's go. One full shot. run. Break into a full run towards the tree line. Suddenly, multitudes of animals begin pouring out of the forest. Deer and bear and fox and all manner of forest creatures. Birds take flight and they're heading straight towards you. We might be running the wrong way. Single file. Is the child running? When you start running, the child starts running. Okay. Madri gets in front. Right behind him with a hand on his back. I climb Madri. I'm in the middle. Behind you? Or the child's behind me. Yeah, behind the child. Still heading towards the tree line. Yes? Yes. That's east. It's east, and we will hopefully catch some cover. You charge towards the tree line that the animals are pouring out of. A massive bear comes charging in your direction through the trees. This massive creature emerges This and snatches up the bear in its maw. It's got a circle of teeth. It's a large worm-like creature with several legs. This fiendish monstrosity towers over you as it forces its girth through the trees and underbrush saplings with careless ease. It moves on six, perhaps more, limbs, each ending in a set of wicked claws that tear at the earth and rip roots free. It's a strange amalgamation of worm and insect. It looks like it's got plates running up and down its back. The beast comes to its full height and looses an otherworldly roar from a maw so wide it splits its oblong head down the middle. A multitude of blood red eyes zero in on you as it raises four of its limbs to strike and gulps the bear down. Exit stage left. Yeah, woodline, scramble, and find some trees to hide behind as best you can. If it gives a multitude of targets, it's less likely there's plenty of animals. Just scramble. Keep moving. Do you break up or maintain your single file line? Break up a little bit, but not too far from each other. Uh, everyone veer to the right. I'm not leaving this show. Everyone right. Nobody more than 10 feet apart. Yep. Go. I will need a round of acrobatics or athletics checks from everybody at the table. Give your numbers starting with earring when you're all done rolling. 19. 20. 14. 8. 19. I have a back on, a hand on Madre's back. So if he starts losing, because he's in the front, if he loses footing or something like that, I have it that so I can help steady him. Earring, you make a mad dash with the child towards the tree line. It is not long before your group is separated with the animals rushing forth from the tree line. The creature continues to attempt to snatch the fastly moving denizens of the forest up. 
You dodge several large animals, bears, wild horses, wolves, and continue your mad dash through this grassland, but you can no longer see your companions. I will stop behind a... Are there any large trees in the area? There are very few trees in the area. There is that. You haven't made it to the tree line yet. Oh, continuing to the tree line. Long way, the same. You've lost track of all of your companions with the exception of Madri, who you have your hands on his shell, and you're pushing him forward. The two of you are trying to avoid being struck by the running animals. You're leaping over the smaller animals where you can and attempting to step aside the larger ones as they come racing towards you. You're being bumped and jostled about, but you maintain your footing. Dash, you're on Madri's shell? Correct. Madri, while you're running, Dash is on your shell and you can feel long way holding on to the back of your shell, pushing you forward, yanking you free from oncoming traffic, so to speak. And then the two of you are struck by a swiftly moving horse. You immediately go into your shell, but you lose grip of Madri and see him knocked about almost like a hockey puck throughout this mass of animals, this huge exodus of flesh and bone. We interrupt this podcast of an acorn journey to talk about our sponsor. Are you a veteran DM with more campaign ideas than prep time? Yeah, of course you are. Aren't we all? Does your party have a habit of going to the person or place that you would least expect? If they're like my group, they sure do. What if I were to tell you that I could put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk to cut down on your campaign prep? What if I were to tell you that you could bring them along with you at your game sessions for when those pesky players go off the rails? Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe... We can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there. And there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy-and-pastable, beautifully-written narratives right at your fingertips. I've been running games for the better part of 40 years, and I must admit, I've gotten a bit lazy. I just don't have the time I used to. And I've been using Terrain, which is minimizing my need for descriptive narratives. Stuff is right out there in front of you. Why describe it? When I was prepping for an acorn's journey, a DMD story, I used describe quite a bit. When you listen, you can hear it. One of the things I like the most about describe is that if the narrative doesn't fit perfectly with your encounter, it's easy to modify while still sounding really good. I did that an awful lot. I think this makes the more than 6,000 narratives that they have available for you even more valuable. It almost doubles what you have at your fingertips. You should give it a shot. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash DMD. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B.com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for two weeks free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to an acorn's journey, a DMD story. Dash, you rolled a 19? I rolled a 14. A 14? That is enough to allow you to hold onto the shell as it's as it's skittering across. Is it enough to try some turtle rolling? Turtle rolling? Yeah. <laughs> like log rolling? You know, just stay on top? You rolled a 14. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a no. I know. <laughs> okay, I hold on. Ow, ow. Long way you see Madri disappear with Dash still clinging, perhaps a little harder now. 
than he was before. A look of terror, the color has washed from his face as he goes skittering underneath large animals and kicked aside. Koopa Troopa style. <laughs> I will do everything I can to keep an eye on Madre and follow him. I roll the 20. I will use the dog's action if I have to, to avoid large creatures and do everything I can to keep Madre in sight and keep close to. So when he finally stops the ricochet, I can help him up and we can continue to move on for the rest of the route, wherever they may be. Okui. Yes. You are able to deftly move in between the larger animals underneath their bellies and between their legs, avoiding being squashed dodging the smaller ones that are closer to your size. I'll also be using my long jump feature if I can, so I can jump 25 feet ahead, like up a, and over. Like a frog. Occasionally, you will see Mokui appear from the exodus of animals, his long frog-like legs trailing behind him, and then he will disappear and then reappear. The creature is still snatching up animals. It's this feeding frenzy. You can hear its roar. It seems to not pay much notice to you, but you think that is perhaps because you are not within its reach at the moment. Another round of acrobatics or athletics, please. Nine. Nineteen. Nine. Twelve. Twenty-one. Earring, as you're racing towards the tree line, you are there at any moment. You are clipped, a large, fastly moving animal. You didn't have time to see what it was, or do you particularly care? But you are knocked prone and are struck by several animals as as they race along. You take four points of damage from being trampled. I rolled a 19. Long way, you manage not to be trampled by the fleeing creatures as you approach the wood line, but you have lost track of Madri and Dash. Dash, you rolled a nine. That's correct. Madri is struck several times and jostled about, spinning wildly. You are become nauseous and are thrown. You take six points of damage, landing on your back. The wind is knocked out of you. Several animals, large animals, run by you. Some run over you, but do not step on you in the process. Other smaller ones actually run over you as they're fleeing. Madri, the world is spinning. <laughs> at breakneck speed as you're you're swirling through this mass of animals fleeing the forest. Okui. Still doing the same thing. You bound twice and find yourself well within the forest. I will look around for my companions to see if I see them. You see Longway making a run for the forest edge. He stops places a hand on a tree and breathing heavily. You see Earring prone. The animals have now run towards the swamp. The child is with him, not far away, standing perfectly still. Does he look conscious? He does. Okay. He's rubbing his head and in a sitting position, the child runs over to him, runs, a sense of urgency in its step, something you haven't seen before out of the child, and grabs him by the back of the shirt and hoists him up off the ground so high that his feet leave the ground and the child half drags earring as it makes a break for the tree line. You don't see Dash. After a while, you see Madri, his spinning shell, he's on his back, slowly stop spinning and come to a stop. And then two arms, two legs and a head pop out. He vomits. Madri, you stand after you relieve your stomach of its contents. Madri is on all fours. You can see him kind of shuffle to the left, <laughs> shuffle to the right, and then he finally gets his bearings and is able to stand upright. Yeah, you take a moment to get your land legs back, stagger towards the tree line. Moments later, the head of Dash 
pokes up amongst the tall grass and scans the area, and he gets up and he starts limping towards you as well. If that wasn't so dangerous, it would be funny. Great. Don't get me wrong, it was still funny, but... (laughs) Where is this centipede or worm? It is still on the hunt, chasing the animals into the swamp. Okay, we are running in the right direction now. We're going to look for the other two missing members of our group, because I have two with me. Where Do I see the other two? Oh, everybody Everybody saw Madri come, his spin wheel come to... Uh, yes, but I haven't seen... Well, I've seen Mokwe pop up a couple of times. I haven't seen Earring. Earring was running towards the, the tree line. You saw the So as child. long as I can see them and wave them over to us. In a few moments, you can see every one of your party members, and soon you gather together. Earring looks a bit battered, and Dash has a noticeable limp. Getting run over by a fleeing forest can be uncomfortable for Couple someone of his size. Couple very teeny scratch marks in the corner of my eye from the rabbits. His hair is a mess. His hat is cockeyed and on his head. I see you limping. Nothing broken, I hope. Uh, Do we need to no, check? No, then I'd be crawling. Yeah, I could use a little bit of go-go. I'll give him a once-over just to make sure there's nothing broken. There doesn't appear to be anything broken. It looks like he took a hard bump. Or a few hard bumps. He's bruised. His knees are skinned. He's disheveled. He's got leaves and grass in his hair and down his shirt. I'll pluck a leaf from his hair. Don't worry, champ. You're fine. Give him a pat on the back <laughs> and head back over to check with Mokwe and Erring. Is anyone hurt? I'm going to be looking over Erring since I saw him laying down, make sure he's okay. How's Acorn? The child's fine. I'm a little battered, but I'll be fine. Madri, anything besides the uh, dizziness? Just very dizzy. Cool. I'll do my best to direct you when I climb up. Sounds good. Let's, while we still can, and since no one needs any immediate care, let's get away from the creature. Let's head into the swamp, so let's let him. You move through the forest, double-timing it for about an hour, and come to a pile of stones in a clearing. Stones heap up in a mound on this, what looks like a grave, looking as if they've been left here recently. Around Black Rock seems to be the most recent deposit, likely taken from a stream you can hear trickling nearby. It would fit neatly in your palm, in most of your palms anyway. There's writing scrawled roughly in the grass, as if someone dragged a large, sharp object through it. The heart, as hard as stone, is a heavy weight to bear. Leave your stone here and carry on with a lighter heart for Gaza. For Gaza! <laughs> is that for Gaza or for Gaza? For Gaza. Okay. It is a massive pile of stones. Do all of them have some kind of script or that was etched into the dirt? That was etched into the dirt nearby. Okay. In the grass. The grass has been torn free from its roots as if someone dragged like a large sharp object or heavy weight oh, through, okay. it, through it, digging it, it up and etching it into the grass and the ground. That's a remembrance pile. Madri looks around for a stone. Uh, examine the stones closer. How closely are you going to I'm going to walk them? like right up to the pile and take a look at them and see if there's anything written on them. Nothing written on the stones. And nothing else scratched in the dirt other than that one that I like step over? Yes. Okay, I guess find a rock. There's all these stones and in the middle there's a black rock? A small black rock that'll fit comfortably in the palm of your hand. I've heard of... Some societies where it's called a remembrance pile. When someone passes, you add a rock to the pile. I don't know if that's what this is, but I have heard of the tradition. So there is quite likely a large town 
or a town that's been around for a long time because it's a big pile of rocks. As a ranger of the, the Wilderin, have I ever encountered this before? You've encountered burials like this. You've encountered a variety of stacked stones in various patterns. This is different. It doesn't look like it was purposefully stacked here. It looked like it was almost dropped. The pile of stones was dropped? It looks like it was dropped from a height. They just spread out when they hit. It doesn't look like it was intentionally placed here. I'll uh, go over to the black rock and pick it up. It is a simple black rock. Very smooth, like a river stone. So not like Sidian? No. Anything special about it? Nothing that you can immediately see. It's it's a black rock. It's it's very smooth. You can see flecks of minerals in it. It's There's pleasing to look at. Writing around the circle? Writing next to the circle. Any chance I can decipher it or read it? You just told us what it said. Oh, what is, I'm sorry, I was too that was, busy. That was the little remembrance poem. The heart is hard as stone is a heavy weight to bear. Leave your stone here and carry on with a lighter heart. For Gaza. I'll put the stone back down where I found it, and I will step out of the circle. I'm going to look at Dash for a moment. Just kind of look him up and down. I know it has nothing to do with fairies, but it does remind me of birds. What if that giant creature back there has a gizzard? Birds swallow small stones to grind up their bugs and everything they eat. What if the thing just barfed up a giant pile of stones that it uses to grind the things that it's eating? And unfortunately, someone got eaten by that critter. Double time again? I'm just throwing things out there. Yeah, I mean, just... What, you know, how do we explain the message? Madri's not passing this spot it, without leaving a stone. If someone was eaten by that critter and then this pile of stones was spit out by the critter, this is the only thing it would be, I would imagine, interpreted as a grave, even though there's no body. Madri also makes a note on the map about this location. I double-check his double-checks. <laughs> These I'm, are just ideas. It I'm doesn't mean I'm correct stones. by any means. It's easy enough to find stones. You don't have to I go I find too, one for everybody. You can... Kicks, come kick back up with the a, dirt. I come back with a pile of stones, hand them out to everybody. I like the idea. I'm not sure. I don't know what that creature was. <laughs> I don't think any of us know what it was. But either way, it's a pile, and someone wanted someone else to be remembered in this spot. I'll say a little yes. prayer for Gaza. Uh, rest in peace, and let's go. I'll walk up to the pile, drop my stone in, say, Okay, squirrel, the one that I kicked out and ate, and now where? Please be a companion to Gaza. It was heartwarming, Dash. Thank you. <laughs> just, my heart feels lighter already. I'll place a stone in, in the circle and quickly leave. The child picks the stone up that you put on the pile, looks at you, and puts it down on the pile, and then follows you. I will also put a stone in the pile. Madri places his stone on the pile, nods his head for a moment, and then takes a deep breath, walks past. I said a little prayer for Gaza. I have the stone in my hand. I'm just going to drop it to the ground and keep going. <laughs> <laughs> You leave the pile of stones behind you, travel a few hours more. The forest grows more dense, more like the forest that you're all familiar with. In the distance, you hear a horn sound. Soon, from behind you in the forest, you hear an otherworldly bang, not unlike the bang of hunting dogs, but yet very different. The bang begins to grow louder and closer, and then the horn sounds again. And that's where we'll leave it for this week. Join us next time as the adventure continues on An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. Thank you to our cast, Frank Whedon, Ben Petrie, Bill Robitaille, Louis Aponte, Sin Morse, and your DM, Scott. A special thanks to you, our listeners. You are why we do this every week. We'll see you next time in the dojo.